We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app and welcome back to the back brief uh, our first guest is, of course, the amazing, uh, the ineffable Jack Murphy. Jack, how are you, bud? I'm good, man. How are you, Rod? I'm doing all right. It's It's been a slower week. I think we came off of this sugar high that was the elections. <laughs> uh, we're, we're kind of, we're, 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 we're slipping into Thanksgiving and the holidays. I've had this feeling, honestly, that we need this. As a country... We need Christmas. We need Thanksgiving. We need to feel good about life in general. Uh, how's life on your end? Are you picking up the same vibes? Yeah, I do. Actually, I feel like yeah, I feel like the whole country's like got some kind of like PTSD. Like they just they, they're so amped up, right up to that precipice, and uh, and people need time to like decompress. You know, and I'm uh, getting ready. I'm actually driving up to my parents' place tonight. Um, we're going to do Thanksgiving, you know, just me, um, with my kid and my, and grandma and grandpa and, uh, and I'll be Thanksgiving. So it's just you, your kid, grandma, grandpa, you're not going to have 20 people over. Cause then I have to report you to the secret police. I know, I know the Gestapo, uh, no, we're, we're not, we usually do have about 20 people, but my mom is, uh, scaled things back considerably. So mom took the warning seriously. She said, we're, is she scaling back because of COVID or yeah. because? Yeah, because my mom works in a hospital. So like she sees that shit every day. Ooh, that would put the fear of God in anybody. Mm-hmm. So, did, so this is great. I didn't know that your mom worked in a hospital. I didn't know this about the Murphy clan. So maybe you can give us a little bit of insight. Is this all a, is this all a hoax? Did mom pull you over to the side and be like, Jack? <laughs> This is all bullshit. There's no COVID. It's fine, man. Uh, no, it, it's definitely it's definitely not a hoax. And uh, you know, my mom works as a uh, social worker in the hospital. Um, you know, so connecting people who need help with various services and things like this. And um, it, it's yeah, it's messed up the things that like she sees uh, in the hospital, you know, and it, as far as what COVID does to people and um, it, it can hit, it can hit people even our age come in there and end up dead a few days later um, from COVID. Um, so yeah, it's, it's insidious. So folks, the, the big takeaway here is if mama Murphy isn't 
just dismissing this thing and she's putting limits on her Thanksgiving. Maybe we should think about that too. We're having a super thanks. We're having a super small Thanksgiving ourselves. Uh, I had my kid come over uh, for leave. Uh, he's in the army, took some leave to come help, uh, hang out with the fam. Uh, literally the first day we went out to hibachi grill, one of those like, welcome back. And he gets food poisoning, spent the first uh, 48 hours of his, <laughs> of his leave in the emergency room uh puking and crapping everywhere oh it my was god it was beautiful <laughs> welcome home kid welcome home uh so speaking of crapping everywhere let's talk about the story that is uh on your desk right now when i read when i read this mm -hmm. the the first thought to me was oh christ not again not <laughs> not again because every time i hear every anytime i hear it, i see a headline that says anything with the word death squad, death cult, or death group, my first reaction is please don't be veterans. Please don't be veterans. Jack, what happened? Well, Rod, it's another 2020 story for you. Uh, so the story is three Marine vets charged after forming anti-BLM death squad and smuggling illegal weapons, feds say. That's up on Connecting Vets. So the story is that uh, three former Marines, um, they got arrested back in October on a conspiracy to unlawfully manufacture, possess, and distribute uh, illegal weapons and ammunition and suppressors. Uh, then the indictment just came out. It was unsealed with a lot more information about these guys, also naming a fourth person, so the, the ones that uh, were initially arrested, Liam Collins, Paul Kresuk, Jordan Duncan, um, and then the fourth guy is Justin Hermanson. So Collins, Duncan, and Hermanson are all former Marines. Uh, Kresuk, Kritchuk, uh, he is a porn star, and his IMDb list uh, has many, many titles to his credit, uh, doing a lot of gonzo uh, porn. Um, so it's an interesting crew they got going. And together they formed up a white supremacist, in quotes, death squad, um, in addition to their illegal weapons manufacturing. Um, and they, they coordinated stuff on a uh, what's now a defunct neo-Nazi message board. They're trying to create a modern-day Waffen-SS. Okay. Porn star joins a white supremacy group. Was he also a veteran as well? He's a Marine. No, guy. not, no, not that I can okay, see. Okay. So thank God. All right. So porn star joins white supremacy group with some other veterans and they were trying to create a modern day world war two ask Nazi Waffen group. How far did they get? How far did this that this plot actually go? I mean, there's a difference between me and my buddies. You know, who <clears throat> who hasn't considered starting a, an online hate group on a message board? I mean, come on. Everybody's been there. But how far did this actually get? Pretty far, actually. Um, they were... Their goal was to actually deconstruct the system. So uh, these guys would qualify as accelerationists. Um, they said straight up that what they were doing was trying to usher in the balkanization of America. 
um, and fight a, a civil war in America's streets, similar to what we've seen in the Middle East in recent years. Um, one of them even wrote in, in this chat, uh, this will be a ground war very reminiscent of Iraq, as we will essentially be facing an insurgent force made up of criminals and gang members. So they had manufactured these illegal weapons. They had formed up their group. They would spend time together. They'd go hiking together. They plan on buying land together. Um, they would get together to do live fire training sessions and make like little white supremacy videos. Um, and then the next step, they were actually doing surveillance on Black Lives Matter in Boise, Idaho. So they were driving their cars around BLM rallies, parking, watching them, exchanging text messages, talking about how they would attack BLM. Um, so they came pretty close, it seems, to do, actually waging an attack. So on a serious note, we had talked about this before, you and I. We had talked about QAnon. Uh, and I'll, I'll make this very clear. There is no connection that we know of right now between QAnon and these guys. But I think the similarity is that in our previous discussions, we had talked about QAnon members taking on the role of the accelerationist uh, when things don't work the way that the Q post had said they would. Maybe the interpretation would be, oh, it's not, the, the government's not supposed to fall, just, you know, the, 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 the conspiracy isn't just supposed to occur and the downfall of bad guy. I have to go be part of the, the movement towards destroying the system that is in place. Uh, how concerning was this story to you when you read it? It was pretty surprising, actually, because a few smaller news outlets uh, had reported on this, but I don't think they really picked up the full scope of it from the indictment that these guys had actually been training and planning and gathering together um, to create essentially a, a terror network and were preparing to launch attacks and wage a guerrilla war. Um, so, I, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that um, this had not been more widely reported. I find that when it when you get a report of one thing, there's usually something very similar to it happening at least two or three more places. We caught this group. Uh, do you think that this is something we're going to see a lot more of? Because, I mean, I, I, isn't this like the third or fourth? Right. Remember the group that was going to uh, assassinate, what was it, the governor of Michigan? I think so. Or yeah. kidnapper. And, and then it came it came out like just in the last week, their alternate plan was to take over the state Capitol building and do like ISIS, like executing hostages every hour on the hour if their demands aren't met. Like, yeah, it, it's scary, man. The only good thing we can say is like these groups are wildly incompetent. Um, they do all kinds of dumb stuff that's like, well, it, hey, it's like I, I'm not going to like go there because i'm not irresponsible but there's part of you that wants to like poke the guy in the chest like hey man this isn't how you run a criminal conspiracy like you need some help here <laughs> um and it, it's just thankfully for america these guys are fairly incompetent um and they make a lot of mistakes and the feds catch them are we at all concerned or should we be at all concerned at the number of veterans that are finding? so i'm always kind of reluctant to say veterans are being targeted because Part of the problem is there's so many veterans now. Um, it, it, you know, I, I'd love to see a number that shows how many, well, what population of the country is now a veteran. We've had almost 20 years worth of wars 
Um, thousands and thousands of people have come through the world of the military and any in every branch and made its way out, whether you went out with a dishonorable, honorable, or even some folks have gone to basic training, got hurt, and they're out. Um, <clears throat> is there reason to be concerned about the number of veterans that we find in these groups? Or is it just yeah. population numbers? No, I mean, there, there is cause for concern. And I'll, I'll read you a quote from the indictment where Collins said, Everyone in the group is going to be required to have served in a nation's military, whether U.S., U.K., or Poland. It's a goal for the long term. I'll be in the USMC for four years while my comrades work on the group's physical formation. It will take years to gather all the experience and intelligence that we need to utilize, but that's what makes it fun. It takes a man's willpower and heart to make a commitment like this. So, they put a premium on military training and were even joining the military to receive military training for their, you know, race war or ethno state or whatever the hell they, they, they perceive this war uh, being about. So this is very real. This is a very real threat. This is exactly what we were talking about in connection, in, in, you know, in, in reference to Q, again, not Q related, but the idea that the system needs to be completely dismantled, right. not new, that concept has been around forever. But what we're seeing is an, an, is an increase, uh, a, a, a value placed on military experience. So folks, if you're a veteran out there, just you know, be, be cautious about who your friends are. Um, and if you do get invited to a meeting and it happens to be a, a, a revolutionary ordeal where it's like, hey, let's throw overthrow the government, you might want to set that one out, folks. I'm, I'm encouraging you to sit out the overthrow of the current government. Jack, do you have any other last words of uh, wisdom for our folks who might be considering joining extremist groups? Man, I, I, I guess the only thing I would say on that is, um, you know, a lot of us look at it like what kind of person joins a white supremacist group? You're like, you'd have to be a bad person. Like, understand that like a lot of these groups are self-prostitute proselytizing. Um, they, they're always recruiting all the time. Um, and that the people who do that, um, oftentimes they're very charismatic. So it won't necessarily, the way these white supremacist groups will recruit initially, it's not going to come at you like, hey man, the purity of the white race, we need to go kill all the black people and create an ethno state. Like they're not going to come at you like that. They're going to come at you like, you know, I don't think you should be ashamed of being white. I, I think it's okay. You know, we like you just the way you are. And, and these other groups over here, these, uh, these social justice people, uh, they're never going to be happy with you. They're never going to like you because you're a white male, but you know, we'll, we'll, we like you, like you can come hang out with us. So like the recruitment pitch is going to come at young soldiers, young veterans in a different way, in a different manner. And it's just something to keep in mind. And like, and I guess have your radar up, um, and I, I don't know who this who needs to hear this or who it may reach, but I hope it hits somebody um, and, and lands on target that that's how they're going to come at you initially. And then they're going to ease you right in to the Holocaust part two. Um, so have your radar up uh, when it comes to these things. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I, I think that one of the every time we've talked about this, some of the hate mail that I get, some of the comments I get down below 
by the way, leave your comments down below uh, if you're on YouTube. Uh, it, it has pointed to, um, well, what about them? You right. know, yes, white supremacy, bad. But what about BLM? Should there, why don't you, Rod Rodriguez, why don't you connecting vets, uh, you know, talk about how bad that organization be? They're communists. They're, you know, they're black supremacists. They're this and that. Um, <clears throat> I think that's, that's a slippery slope. I think that's a fallacy in the argument to say, well, one thing is bad, but also they're bad. We're, we're, they can both have elements. You, you can have white right. supremacy be bad. Elements well, of BLM be bad, but it doesn't take away from how shitty white supremacy is. The, and how the, shitty the, it is to be a death squad. It's a culture of yeah, but mm. people say yeah, but um, it, it's what aboutism. It, it is it is a fallacy, and any sort of idea, any sort of conversation can instantly be derailed by saying yeah, but. Um, and uh, just like you said, I mean, there can be both both arguments can be bad. Um, that can be true at the same time. Uh, and what people, when people make that, yeah, but what about ism type argument, it, it's kind of a bad faith argument because what they're really trying to do is shut down your speech. They don't like what you're saying. So they're saying, Hey, you need to shut up because this other, these guys over here are bad. And, and I hear that it, not just in, in the context of this conversation, but all sorts of political conversations. And I'm, I'm, I'm always a, a bit bewildered by it. Um, when people come to me and say, yeah, but it's like, hey, like, I'm not like uh, Acacio Cortez's Green New Deal guy, like, like the you want to make those comparisons. OK, but like, it's not really it, it's apropos to nothing from my perspective. Like, I don't support that other stuff you're talking about. And never have. So why, why are we even having this conversation right now? Um, and, and I don't think um it's outside our wheelhouse to say, hey, white supremacy and domestic terrorism is bad. And you can make yeah, but arguments all day, but it's still bad. <laughs> I, 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 I have to be concerned about anybody that will yeah, but me when I say white supremacy or death squads are bad. Uh, the other part to that, of course, is folks will argue about the fact that, well, you know, yes, death squads, but BLM, but we go, but yeah, but, yeah, but BLM, they're violent, they're bad. How come we don't talk about them? And I'm like, well, because I haven't, we're, we're talking about this news article. I think that's important for us to recognize is that we're not saying all Marine veterans are white supremacists. It, it's, we're not saying that everybody's bad when we talk about these particular news well, articles. Look, look, man, when, when BLM plans a domestic terrorist attack and they want, uh, and they plan uh, an assassination or a kidnapping or a hostage crisis or something or a bombing, I will cover it. I will cover it, you know, especially, uh, I mean, specifically as it relates to veterans, because that is my wheelhouse and that's what we cover at Connecting Vets. If BLM or, or some group like that, a group of veterans there plans an attack like this, hell yeah, I'll cover it. Um, we were obligated to cover it and we would cover it. And you see, folks, this was me addressing your concerns because I've had a lot of you guys email me or, and, and send me messages and they're like, you don't talk about this. You don't talk about, well, I am, I, I want to bring up your concerns, uh, even if I don't necessarily agree with them, but I will bring them up. Hey man, my, my tip line is open. You got a story about veterans and BLM plotting a terror attack. Let me know, man. <laughs> uh, and on that note, where can people find you, Mr. Murphy? 
Um, hey, if you want to find the tip line, you send me an email. It's jack at connectingvets.com. Um, don't send me your conspiracy theories, please. But but if you have actual information that you know firsthand, shoot it over. I'll take a look at it. Um, and then you find me on Twitter uh, at Jack Murphy RGR. All right, folks. That was Jack Murphy. Send him a message. Uh, for sure, send him all your conspiracy theories. He wants to hear all of it. They already do. <laughs> they already do. Jack, you have to understand Sasquatch, aliens, Illuminati. You know, actually, those ones aren't so bad. Like, those are kind of harmless compared to the sorts of conspiracies we have going around nowadays. Oh, they get gross. And every single one of them has to jump into, like, something to do with Satan, kids, and it, it's always bad. No matter how – you can start with Sasquatch and end with Epstein. And we're going to end <laughs> with that. Folks, uh, next up – the amazing Abby Bennett. She's going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on on Capitol Hill. Folks, this is the part where too many of you guys tune out. I'm tired of it. Guys, what's happening on Capitol Hill has everything to do with you, so make sure you stay tuned. Excuse me, ma'am. Um, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse out. me. Sir, we are all out of toilet paper. No, 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 no. I need all your veteran podcasts right now. What? Podcasts? You don't have to fight the crowds at your superstore to find the best veteran and military podcast. Go to ConnectingVets.com and click on the Listen tab or tell your smart speaker to play Connecting Vets on Radio.com. I'm begging you, please, all the veteran podcasts, please. All right, folks, welcome back to the Back Brief. Um, We've got a couple of great topics here because uh, I have Abby Bennett here, and I have to preface this every time. This is like, to me... What Abby is covering is possibly the most important part of veteran news because the stuff that's happening in Capitol Hill, it's the stuff that is happening in the admin side of our veteran lives. And it's not as cool as uh, death squads and it's not as, uh, as, as controversial as what did the president uh, tweet and you know biden this and elections that and COVID and riots this is unfortunately sometimes the more mundane the, the quieter stuff but i will tell you she covers she covers the things in capitol hill that after things are approved and people are done you know and the speaker goes to this person and they now affirm this and that once all that's done and it's like, boom, boom, it's a law or boom, boom, there's a new regulation. Suddenly, all our lives, we're all looking at each other like what just happened. So to take us through some of the stuff that's happening out here in the D.C. area and the, uh, the Hill and the VA, Abby Bennett. Abby, thank you for once again enduring those uh, long and really boring sessions. That's what they pay me the moderately sized bucks for, Rod. <laughs> How do you do it? Because I've been in some of those. I've, I'm not going to say I've been in them. I've seen them on C-SPAN, which, first of all, boring in and of itself. Uh, how do you sift through the nonsense? Well, I mean, that that's what I'm there for. I'm there to be there so you don't have to be. <laughs> I'm there to sit through the long hearing so you don't have to. Um, somebody has to, right? Somebody's got to be there and and know what was said and tell everybody else about it. You know, I I know you guys can't spend a couple hours out of your day to watch C-SPAN. I wouldn't want you to. Um, 
but that's that's part of the challenge of what I do is listening to all of it and making sure I'm pulling out what will be important to vets and their families and their caregivers and and everybody in that community and so that is you know my my privilege and and my uh work that I hope to give back to all of you guys well the theme of the show has been Thanksgiving with this being Thanksgiving so thank you for doing that for all of us so you are covering you covered a story about discharge reviews this is very important because there's a lot of folks out there that have sometimes other than honorable Mm -hmm. discharges Take us through, what does this all mean for us? Absolutely. So recently the Army settled a very, very, very important lawsuit that's been ongoing for a while where they specifically agreed to go back and review, you know, up to 150,000, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of soldiers' discharges. Now, it's important to remember when we're talking about this lawsuit that we're only talking about the Army. There is an ongoing similar lawsuit for the Navy. And the great thing about this settlement is it could set a precedent for other lawsuits against other branches. But in this case, we're specifically talking Army and soldiers. So what this means is that there was a lawsuit sort of to try and get the Army to expand its review process and to improve it so that folks who might have been discharged because of mental health concerns, because of, you know, God forbid, a suicide attempt or things related to military sexual trauma or PTSD and things like that aren't punished. You know, they may have been discharged in a punitive way, in a punishing way for something that at the end of the day is really strongly linked to their mental health issues. And so there's a huge group of veterans who are behind this lawsuit. It became a class action lawsuit. There are many, many examples. I'm sure everybody listening can think of somebody they know or they may be someone who is dealt with an other than honorable discharge. And that doesn't mean a dishonorable one. It just means anything other than an honorable discharge, which can have long lasting effects, right? It can bar you from VA benefits. It can keep you from GI Bill benefits. There's lots and lots of issues, let alone the stigma of just having an an other than honorable discharge. You know, when I was talking to Chris Goldsmith, who's a huge veteran advocate and, and someone who had an other than honorable discharge, which took 12 years to appeal, you know, he said that when he first got out of the military, he was really ostracized because he could not even um, join some of the veteran service organizations because an other than honorable discharge disqualified you from joining them. Now, some of those have changed since then, but this settlement is a huge deal for anybody who has an other than honorable discharge. And that's for several reasons. So first of all, the army is going to go back and review lots and lots of discharges. And if you are qualified for that, you should receive something in the mail telling you that your discharge will be reviewed. But also, the Army is going to sort of revamp its guidance for reviews. They're going to possibly make the process more generous for veterans. Um, They're gonna create a universal system for veterans to attend hearings by phone so that you don't have to travel long distances. Um, And they're gonna review discharges for possible upgrades specifically for post 9-11 veterans and future generations. So that's really what this lawsuit uh, tackled specifically. So it's not just, uh, you know, that the stories happening at, at the VA 
that affect us, but there's also stories that are occurring at the VA that affect the VA in general as a whole. One of the big stories this this year was uh, the ouster of one of the top VA people who is now making a counter accusation about his firing. Take us into that. Sure, absolutely. Um, so earlier this year, Secretary uh, Robert Wilkie, who leads the VA and was appointed, who um, was nominated by President Donald Trump, fired his second in command. Um, his second in command was Deputy VA Secretary James Byrne. Um, and that firing happened right around the time of some other drama at VA. So last year, um, in 2019, there was a congressional advisor who is also a Navy veteran. Um, she was at the DCVA and says that she was sexually assaulted while she was there. Um, and she was actually carrying some legislation or some draft legislation dealing with sexual assault in her purse at the time. You know, that's a, a big issue that she specifically works on on Capitol Hill. Um, and so obviously, you know, she... Um, told her bosses, members of Congress, they held a press conference and it became this really, really public thing. She recounted what happened to her originally to the New York Times um, and others of us who cover VA also covered what happened to her. Um, but then very, very shortly after Mr. Byrne was fired, a complaint was filed with the House Veterans Affairs Committee alleging that Secretary Wilkie tried to find damaging information on this woman veteran to sort of discredit her story of being sexually assaulted at the DCVA. And now Secretary Byrne or former Deputy, Deputy Secretary Byrne has come out and originally told Newsweek and the same night also spoke to me and told me um, things that sort of back up the allegations made in that complaint. Now, to be clear, he says he's not the author of that complaint. Um, he says other people know of what he said, but he sort of backed up the fact that the secretary allegedly went looking for dirt on this woman veteran in an attempt to discredit her. And not only sought damaging information, but also instructed his staff to go tell the media about it to try and generate some negative media attention on this woman veteran who's also a senior congressional advisor. Um, so Deputy Secretary Burns said, essentially, you know, Secretary Wilkie came to him and said, hey, you know, here's this information, go do something with it, go share it with the media. And Secretary, uh, Deputy Secretary <clears throat> Byrne basically said, you know, oh, I hear you, you know, and tried to sort of avoid the situation because he says he didn't feel comfortable with sharing that kind of information. Um, and he says that, you know, allegedly Secretary Wilkie went to talk to um, Representative Dan Crenshaw, who at one time um, served with this woman veteran um, and tried to get information or, or sort of confirm that damaging information with him, um, obviously, <laughs> Representative Crenshaw's office denies that that happened and has denied that that happened for months now. Um, you know, Secretary Wilkie denies the allegations against him. But what's important is that Congress and others asked the Inspector General of the VA, which is an independent office, 
to sort of look into these allegations against the VA secretary because they're very serious. Uh, and the inspector general agreed and that investigation or review is ongoing and we're sort of expecting that report hopefully soon. Um, but Deputy Secretary Byrne basically said that, you know, initially he was afraid to come forward with his story about uh, Secretary Wilkie and, and all of this information because he didn't want more turmoil at VA. He didn't want more veterans to get a negative impression of VA because from his perspective, when veterans feel negatively about VA, they're less likely to come in. And when they're less likely to come in, they're not going to get important care. But now, after the election, when it looks like there may be shakeup at VA anyway, he said he felt a little bit more comfortable because there's already sort of turmoil ongoing in that office. And he feels like it's the right thing to do. So it's very, very complicated and uh, and really insular, but it's it's important because these are the people leading, you know, the second biggest federal agency in the entire government. I might be going out on a limb here, but it sounds to me like Wilkie has a personal grudge against this person. Like, is it, it, has anybody tied these two together? Is there a history between these two? So when I talked to Deputy Secretary Byrne, he said that, you know, initially they had a decent working relationship. Um, he says that their relationship really soured over this specifically um, because Secretary Wilkie obviously sort of got the sense after the second or third time he asked uh, Byrne to go shop this dirt on this veteran that he wasn't going to do it. And at that point, um, Burns says that's when he was approached and fired. Um, no, I, I meant like I meant like between the secretary of the VA and the female veteran. Is there any right. background to this? Because that sounds it seems personal that he's going after her to get dirt on her. It's, I mean, there, there's a difference. I, I feel like there's a difference between like, hey, this seems like a fishy uh, investigation, or maybe there's something about it that kind of stood out to the secretary, but to instruct your staff, to instruct everybody, get her, that mm -hmm. seems, that seems super personal. It, it does. And, you know, secretary or deputy secretary Byrne, obviously, you know, this is his version of events. Um, but he says that secretary Wilkie believed that her allegations, her story were invented by the Democratic majority in, in the House, who she works for, to damage VA and to personally damage Secretary Wilkie by making VA look bad because she was assaulted. Um, and because not only was she assaulted, she says that she didn't get immediate help from VA staff while she was there. And so he took that very personally, according to Byrne, and he, you know, sort of believed that she and her bosses in Congress had set out to target him and target his agency. And so then to him, um, it did become personal, according to Byrne. Um, and, you know, he, he was around for those conversations. And this is his version of the story. He was Secretary Wilkie's, you know, number two in command. So, you now know, I, that I is ask. I've got to ask, is there any chance, is there any evidence to support that Wilkie might have been right, that this was made up, that this was a politically, a politically motivated attack? 
So I have asked VA um, and VA's press secretary for things like that in the past. Um, when I asked VA to comment on Mr. Burns' allegations, um, I was sent back a very inflammatory email with lots and lots of allegations against him. Um, allegations that were so serious that I can't print them in a news story because they could be libelous. Um, which was very interesting. And, and, you know, of course, I immediately followed up with VA and said, okay, you know, can you provide me any evidence that what you're claiming about Mr. Byrne is true? Um, and I have not received any response. Now, as far as the woman veterans allegations and proof, you know, that that did happen to her or did not happen to her, um, you know, I, I looked into that too early on um, last year after it happened and earlier this year as well and, and continuing and what's interesting is that um, the camera in the area of the DCBA that should have captured this event was not working at that time. Um, and that was something that I learned through a Freedom of Information Act request. Um, that camera was not working. It did not capture anything that was happening that day. Um, VA says since then it's been repaired, but there's no video evidence of it happening. Um, but there's also no evidence of some kind of conspiracy necessarily um, to invent that to harm VA either. Um, so, you know, there's a lack of evidence on, on both sides. And so at the end of the day, what we have is the classic, you know, he said, she said sort of um, verbal accounts of things that happened. Now, I will say that the um, inspector general closed its review of her case after it happened. Um, they said they were not able to substantiate what happened to her because there was not a lot of evidence to definitively prove it um, and to defini definitively prove that VA was negligent in any way. Um, and after that came out, Secretary actually wrote to her bosses in Congress and said, you know, we closed the case and her allegations were unsubstantiated and you know, he, he even went so far as to say that her allegations harmed VA. And there was a lot of pushback when he sent that letter. Um, and even the inspector general came out and said, that's not what we told your staff. You know, that's not what we told you. We told you that technically we were not able to substantiate her claims, which means we weren't able to prove them. But that doesn't mean we disproved them either because when you have this sort of lack of information on both sides of the issue, you can't really say definitively yes or no. Um, and so the IG was left kind of in the middle of that situation um, and unable to prove it one way or the other. Um, but Secretary Wilkie sort of took his, you know, conclusions from that. And obviously, you know, this veteran and, and these members of Congress who work with her believe her and, you know, believe that what happened to her really did. It seems like this is still a giant political mess. What could it, what should have been a, uh, an outcry has turned into, uh, it's turned into political fodder. And it seems like Burns kind of got caught in the middle. Um, where do we go from here? What's next? So what's next really is waiting for that inspector general report to come out um, because that has been ongoing all this year, really um, much of this year, at least um, it was delayed of 
course, by issues with COVID-19, because that takes precedence over everything right now. Um, but the IG has been ongoing in its review of the allegations against Secretary Wilkie. Um, and so what that report contains um, will be very, very interesting because it will tell us what their investigators were able to determine about, you know, whether he did speak to staff about, you know, this alleged uh, discrediting information about this veteran and you know the IG did many 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 interviews with people all over VA all over Congress and other folks uh, former Deputy Secretary Byrne was one of the people that they interviewed um, so they're sort of collecting all the information and putting it into one report um, and sort of uh, telling us what they found and they may draw a conclusion from that and they may not it really depends on what they're able to determine but that will really be the next step in this is finding out what an independent watchdog agency was able to find when they spent months and months looking into this unfortunate but uh i'm anxious to see what this report actually has to say uh where can people learn more about you and what you're doing at connecting vets well, I am always at ConnectingVets.com, and so is all of the rest of our stories and news content, podcasts, radio shows, all of that. Um, and all of that is also on all of our social media channels. We are at ConnectingVets on every platform. And I also spend an inordinate amount of time on Twitter at Abby, A-B-B-I-E, the letter R, Bennett, B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Awesome. Thank you again. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 